0: Thanks so much for coming. I wanna say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for coming on this weather. See in Texas, like, any change. We're like, I can't leave the house. How am I gonna do this? So thank you for daring to come out in sub below 10 degree weather than you're normally used to. I know it's a huge risk you take, so thank you for that. So glad you guys are here. I wanna say hello also to uh, all of our God Behind Bars. Let's give it up for those guys. We love you guys. So grateful for you guys as well. I'm super excited about this brand new series called Crush that we're going into today, it's all about the Garden of Gethsemane and about what Jesus went through, the agony he went through before he went to the cross. We're gonna unpack that in the next few weeks. I'm very excited about that. Please take out your notes if you would. I want to give you some things to write down today as well. As you do that, pull out your notes. This means you pull out your notes right now. Go ahead, do that, thank you, and take those out. You should be a, a, a note sheet in, in your bulletin. Please pull it out. I want to give you something to write down today, and if you're below the age of 30, there's this thing called a pen and paper. It's really cool. You're gonna fall in love with it. So anyways, glad you guys are here today. My kids tease me because I'm still kind of a paper guy, and so I know that dates me a bit. But anyways, I wanna give you things to write down today. Hey, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Thank you guys for being a part of our services today. As I began to look at Gethsemane, Gethsemane literally means the garden of crushing. And so many people feel like they're being crushed by the weight of the world, by difficulties, by problems, by struggles in their life. And so we wanna unpack that in this series. As I began to look closer at the scripture, I was, I was planning on diving right into Gethsemane, talking about when Jesus and the disciples went to this garden and how he prayed this anguishing prayer, God, please take this cup from me. And God told him, no, this is, this is my will. And he submitted to the will of God. And I was gonna unpack all that today. And then God stopped that today. In fact, earlier this as I was preparing and as I was studying I came across something I'd never even seen before. Have you ever noticed something about the Bible that you'll read it and you'll be like, how many times have I read the Bible and I have never seen that before? Has that ever happened to you? That's how you know this book is alive and well and it's actually the word of God, not just a book that man wrote, but rather you think, wow, I mean, how many times have I read this and I never caught that? And so I was looking at it closely this last week and as I was studying it, I realized we can't get to Gethsemane yet because there's something that, that was said that just stopped me cold. I was like, how have I never noticed that before? You see, there's multiple accounts of all of the activities of Jesus because there were multiple eyewitnesses. Mainly we have, of course, the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are actual guys that walked around and went through life with Jesus so we have their different their different angles on things and so you got Matthew who's kind of a Jewish angle of things and so all the, his writings come through a very Jewish ancient culture and so that helps us understand the times in which Jesus lived and when he spoke to a woman publicly and how big of a deal that was You he did not do that and so he affirmed women in a way that was way bigger than we ever realized because we're not Jewish and we're not ancient Jewish at that and so because of that we don't quite get what that meant in their culture even in the Middle East today you can be caned, you can be beaten for speaking openly if you're a woman and so I'm not Agreeing with that. I'm just telling you, that's the culture. So for Jesus to speak openly, woman is like, whoa, so Matthew points that out, where most people think, why do you point that out? Because in that culture was a big deal. He was honoring women, right? And so Matthew has an angle. Then you got Mark, who's sort of the ADD disciple. I relate to him very much. You know, he's the ESPN highlight disciple. Jesus was born 12 years later. Jesus shows up at the temple. You know, you know, 20 years later. Now he's about to start his ministry. You're like, wow, like big highlights, but there's big gaps in the story, right? That's Mark. That's kind of the way he thinks he's all over the place. And so his hands are like Beto. He's all over the place. You know, it's like, and so I kind of stay with him. I'm like, I can relate to that. You know, I'm all over the place like that. I get it. And so then you've got, right, you've got Matthew, you got Martin, you got Luke. Luke is the doctor. So he's super detailed. So you want to read his account of the cross because he's going to give it blow by blow and help explain what Jesus went through when he went through the agony of dying because he gives the blow by blow, the very detailed, the biological portion of the death of Christ on the cross. And so, but then you got John. And John was the guy who was called the beloved disciple. John felt. What Jesus felt, he experienced the emotions of Christ and his emotions for Christ as well, and so it's a very emotionally compassionate uh, scripture, and so that's why he was called the beloved disciple. Well, John said something about Gethsemane that no one else said. And it just fits that John said it because it matches up who John is as a person. He said something that everyone else missed, but John caught it. And so everyone else said, and Matthew, let me read this, Matthew 26, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. Simple as that, he went to Gethsemane. You know, Luke said basically the same thing. Mark, yep, and then went over to the olive grove. And so, but then John said, no, no, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley, the brook Kidron. He crossed the Kidron Valley To get to Gethsemane. Why would he mention that? Why would no one else say that? Why would he be the only one that brought that up? Huh. You know, I've learned something. When there's something in the scripture you can't figure out, you may want to park on it because it means there's something big there. And so I just thought, okay, I really wanted to get to Gethsemane today, but I can't get to Gethsemane unless, like Jesus, I walk through the Brook Kidron. So what is the Brook Kidron, also known as the Kidron Valley? What is that? I mean, I know you're not curious, but I'm curious. So I just, if you'll go there with me for a moment, because I'm just curious what that's about. So let me just, if I could describe a word picture of what Jerusalem looked like. So if I said to you, and we lived in J-Town, and if I said, hey, meet me over at the Brook Kidron, you'd be like, okay, I'll see you in a minute. You know right where that's at. That's like, that's, like, that's a common spot. Everyone knows where that's at. And there's a reason why everyone knows where that. If you just looked at it, you wouldn't really pay much attention. You wouldn't think it's just, just like a ditch, it's just a small dry ditch. It's all it is. We have plenty of dry ditches. We live in Texas. And so, you know, there's plenty of dry ditches around us because it's typically dry. And so that happens. But ditches that are dry certain times of the year flow with water, right? I mean, like if there's a heavy rain, a, a dry ditch will turn into a, you know, a, a flood zone if you're not careful, right? And so that can happen. And so this was very similar to that. And so there was only a couple times a year that it actually turned into a brook. And one was during the rainy season, which Jerusalem actually has. And so that would make sense. But there was a second time that everyone knew the brook Kidron, and Kidron means gloomy or dark. It also means blood red. It also means uh, the brook of blood. So Jesus had to walk through the brook of blood to get to Gethsemane. More on that in a minute, but why was it called the brook of blood? Let me tell you. So if if I could draw a word picture, the temple was at the top of Jerusalem. It was at its height is where, where it was built, okay? Then you've got the olive grove, the Mount of Olives coming down, and then at the bottom of that, you've got the Kidron Brook. It's just like a small little ditch and then it curves up and then you got the Garden of Gethsemane. And so the reason there's Garden of Gethsemane there is because they would flow out of the Mount of Olives, the Olive Garden, if you will, and they didn't go to a restaurant there and order the really good salad. It wasn't that. It was actually an Olive Garden. And so they would have they would, the olives. They would, they would pick them and they would just roll them down the hill and at the bottom of the hill is where they would press them to get olive oil. More next week. That's what I was gonna unpack this week. But God would not let me get there because I had to stop at the Brook Kidron. So what is the Brook of John? So the reason why it was also called the, 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 the Brook of Blood was because there was a drain in the temple. And during Passover, they would take a lamb's life per family, I don't know if you knew that, it wasn't like one lamb died on Passover, you know, many of you know the story of the Old Testament. They, they kill a lamb, right? And they, they take it and they, and they get the blood and they, and they rode over it over the top of their doors just so that the wrath of God would pass over them and go to those that did not, were not covered by the blood. Of course, that's, that's Old Testament prophecy of Jesus coming. He's the one they give his life. Jesus had to walk through the brook Kidron to get to Gethsemane. Well, he did that on Passover week. And do you know how many lambs are slaughtered on Passover week in Jerusalem in the ancient days? somewhere between 200 and 250,000 lambs. Do you understand the bloody mess that would be in the temple? I mean, this is messy and gory. This is like not some frilly sweet, let's put on our nice little Easter dress with flowers all over it and our matching shirts for our boys, match our husband. No, that's not what Easter looked like. It was blood everywhere, okay? And so on the sacrificial altar, they would, each family would bring a lamb, and they would slaughter the lamb, and then the process of slaughtering the lamb, they would would cut it open, it would bleed out, they would actually water it to get the blood out of it, right? And so that was how they would sacrifice this lamb. Well, that blood and water needed to go somewhere, so they had a little shoot, they had an offshoot that would go out of the temple, and guess where it went? It went to the Kidron Valley, or the Brook Kidron. It was a brook of blood. So Jesus, John says, the only one that's got that heart close to Jesus. They all loved him, of course, but he just felt him. He said, you know, Jesus didn't just go to Gethsemane. Mm -mm. No, no, no. No, he walked through the blood of the sacrificial system to get there. It was like God was reminding his son, this is why you were born. This is why you came. Is because you gotta walk through the blood of the religious sacrifice so that you can be my lamb the Lamb of God. No one else has to die for their sins. You will die for everyone. And so Jesus has to walk through the Brook Kidron. As I looked at that, I thought, where else in the Bible does it mention the Brook Kidron? I'm just curious, I I'm just, I'm just thought, oh, maybe there's something there, who knows? But If you're taking notes, would you please write this down? Number one, please know that bloodshed makes you reflect on what matters most. Jesus had to walk through this brook, and it was not a small stream with this many lambs being killed. And so, as he walks through this, we know this is basically Thursday of of Passover week, which would have been one of the biggest moments when people were bringing their lambs. And so, there was slaughter everywhere going on, and he was walking through it. And so, as he walked through it, we know that the the blood must have been thick in the water. And so, as he did that, you know, we know that his sandals and, and his clothing must have been soaked in blood. So he had to walk through a mess to get to his destiny which was Gethsemane. Hmm. Interesting. It, it seems to me like if we can't get to Gethsemane without going through the brook Kedron, like Jesus, and that must have some meaning behind it. So what is the brook Kedron? What does it actually mean for you and me? Well, let me, let me show you a couple of scriptures on this. It says in 1 Kings 15, let's go back in time and, and just 700 years earlier, uh, 900, excuse me, years earlier, we see that Asa, one of the kings, brought the people of Israel back to God and they had a bunch of false idols they were worshiping. It says this, Asa did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. He banished the male and female shrine prostitutes uh, from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. And he burned it in the what? The Kidron Valley. So he threw the idols into the Kidron Valley. So there's something about that. There's something about this that we need to connect. And so then a couple hundred years later, about 700 years before Jesus came, it says another king, it says in 2 Kings 23, the king removed the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple and took it outside Jerusalem to Kidron Valley, where he burned it. So apparently, something that we all have to walk through to get to Gethsemane. And Gethsemane, by the way, represents our purpose and our destiny. But you can't get to your destiny and your purpose until you walk through your bloody mess. You're gonna have to go through some things. And apparently, you and I are better with the blood on our robe. You ever try to get blood out of something? Man, it's hard. I mean, it, it stains and it does not come off, right? Could it be that you and I are better blood-stained working for the Lord than we are clean and pure and and, and, and no messes and no problems? Could it be that we serve God and do his purpose better when we go through something? It says in scripture, the first thing you need to know is this about your bloodshed. I got an A and B here. The A is this, let go of where you betrayed God. These are kings that said, we have betrayed God. We've not honored you. We've built these idols. We need to throw them and sacrifice. Why, why did they throw them in the brook, in the Kidron brook? Because that represents where the people have brought their sacrifice. So you gotta sacrifice your idols. You gotta give up some things. But some of us get stopped in the Kidron Brook. Here's what I mean by that. Some of us get stuck. We're like, oh, God, you can't use me. I mean, I know you saved me, and I thank you for that, but what I've done in my past, there's no, no you can't do anything with me after that. I mean, I've just, I've been too crazy of a guy. I've been too wild of a girl. You can't use me. There's no way you have a, a destiny and a purpose for me. You see, what happens is our guilt begins to lie to us and tell us you can't be used of God. What you've done, there's no way. That's just not true. Do we, do we forget that half the New Testament was written by a guy named Paul, who was also a murderer, So apparently you can be used of God still. Are you hearing me behind, God behind bars? Are you hearing this? God's not through with you regardless of what you did. He has a purpose for you. He's not done. He has something for you. So the first part is that we portray God and we get stuck in our betrayal of God, feeling guilty for what we've done. We forget that the cross was enough, that Christ paid the price for all of that to be removed. But I wanna show you something else. It's interesting that not only 100 years before that we have kings that, that had to return to God and throw their idols and all of Israel's idols into this, this brook, uh, this, this uh, Kidron brook, but also David dealt with something very interesting. So either you, have, you get stuck in your betrayal against God or as David did, you get stuck in someone else's betrayal against you. Look at scripture, it says in 2 Samuel 15, this is where David is betrayed by his own son and one of his closest advisors that teamed up and got together and said, let's take the kingdom from my dad. And he was ran out of his throne, he was ran out of his own kingdom, and on the run, where did David have to run through to be able to escape? He had to run through the Kidron Valley. It says, everyone cried loudly as the king and his followers passed by. They crossed the Kidron Valley and then went out toward the wilderness. Look at John chapter 13, let's tie this together. Jesus also was betrayed by Judas, and right before that happened, as he was having dinner uh, with his disciples, he called out Judas. Did you know that? So Judas has got a chip halfway in his mouth. He's eating, and he says, hey, the one who's eating at my table, huh, what, will betray me. Check it out. He says this, I'm not saying these things to all of you. He's saying not all my disciples are gonna do this, but then he says, but I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me we always catch the part about how Jesus calls out Judas while he's eating, like he's mid-bread bite, right? Like, huh, what? He's like, the one who's eating right now at my table is gonna betray me. But that's not what he said. He said, this fulfills the scripture that says. So he wasn't just saying something. He was quoting another scripture. What scripture was he quoting? He was quoting David, who had written in Psalms 41 about his betrayal from his own advisor and son. And David said this in Psalms 41. He said, even my best friend, the one I trusted completely. Anyone relate? The one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food has turned against me. Wow. So apparently, on the way to your purpose, you gotta stop by some bloodshed. And there's two ways we get bloodshed. The first is we have to let go of where we betray God, and the second one is we have to let go of where others have betrayed you. Sometimes it's enough that we've hurt God and we feel bad about it, but sometimes we get hurt by others and we want to hold on to that anger and say, no, it's not right that they did this. It's just not fair. No one said it was fair. That's why it's messy. That's why it's called the gloomy valley. Do you know it's also called that? The gloomy valley, the blood valley, the bloody brook. Jesus had to walk through that. He had to go through the betrayal on his way to his destiny. There's a great evangelist named John Wesley, incredible man of God. In the 1700s, he preached all over England, and, and uh, he would travel, and he was what they call a circuit preacher. He was kind of the first one, and he would hop on a horse and ride to one town and preach, hop on the horse, ride to another town and preach, and that's what he did. He just went all over, and, and that's kind of how he had his ministry. One day, he was coming home from where he was preaching, and on his way home, he'd just been used of God greatly, and many people were saved. Lives were changing. On his way home, as he's walking home, before he gets home, he is robbed midway home. Think about this, this is a man of God, honoring God, giving his whole life for God, and yet he gets robbed. Have you ever been there? You're like, God, I'm trying to be faithful to you, I'm trying to honor you, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm trying to bless people, and I get robbed? Really, is this fair, is this right? I I know people that are partying, who care less about the things of God, do whatever they want, and their life seems to be fine, and I'm trying to serve you, and I get robbed? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Just life just doesn't seem fair, right? It's crazy. It just doesn't seem fair. Why does it seem like the people who are jerks get ahead? And the people who are trying to be kind and do the right thing, it's like they get punished for it. So what does he do when he's robbed? It's interesting. When John Wesley's robbed, after the guy took all his money and all the valuables that he had on him as he was leaving, John turned to him and said, hey, before you go. The robber's like, what? He goes, before you go, I got one thing I wanna give you. He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, I just want you to take this pamphlet with you because there may be a day that you regret the life you're living right now. If that happens, read this pamphlet, because Jesus loves you. Years later, let me just ask you a real question before we go further. Are you willing to keep giving while you're being robbed? Because that's how you know you're living your purpose. The devil will allow you to be robbed while you're honoring God because you don't really know who you are until you've had some unjust things happen in your life and you stay faithful anyways and you have the right attitude and the right heart and you're full of faith in the middle of being robbed by the very people you're trying to save. So he's getting robbed by the very people he's trying to save and he says, just make sure you read this. Years later, he's at an event. He's preaching again. A man comes up to him in a very nice suit. He's a Christian businessman, walks up to him and says, I'd like to meet you for a second time. The first time we met, I robbed you. And you had the audacity to give me a pamphlet and tell me about Jesus, and I went home and I read that. And I repented and I gave my life to Jesus. And I was always looking forward to the day that I would see you again, to tell you thank you, that while I was treating you wrong, you honored God. You don't know the blessing you're being when you choose to be faithful when you're being robbed. If you'll say faithful. If you'll go through your messy brook, if you'll allow injustice happen, if you'll forgive those who have betrayed you and hurt you, if you will do that, you're on your way to Gethsemane, which is where your purpose is. But you got to go through something to get there. That's that's how that works. You say, but you know, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know my story. I understand we all have a story. We've all had some messes. We've all had some bloody things happen in our life. But don't let your story stop you from your purpose. Don't park in your story. Keep going. So what happens next? Let me go back to the original scripture, John 18. It says, after saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Let me give you another translation to help you understand what this really is saying. John 18, one in the NIV 1984 translation says this. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and the disciples went to it. On the other side of your bloody gloom and mess is your purpose. Keep walking. Don't stop, it's bad enough as it is, keep going. In fact, the Bible puts it this way, Psalms 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. What does that mean? It means keep walking. Don't stop in your valley, keep going. Pastor, you know the mess I've been through, I got this divorce and I I was so hurt and betrayed and you have no idea, I, I know, I get it. Get up the next day and keep going. Stay faithful. Man, I've been hurt, this person, I trusted him and, and, and they couldn't be trusted, I didn't know that. And Keep going, keep being faithful, keep showing up, keep serving, keep honoring God, keep your hand lifted high to God. You keep doing the right thing. I've been through this, and I've been through that and you wouldn't believe these people in my work and they burned me and this and that. Keep going to work, stay faithful. You just honor God. Don't get caught up in the hurt and the pain and let it stop you from the will of God. <laughs> be a good steward of your life. Don't get stuck in the painful part of your story on the other side of your brook, on the other side of Kidron, on the other side of the bloody mess is your purpose. Keep going. So what is our purpose? What is Gethsemane really all about? Gethsemane is all about Jesus surrendering to the Father's will to give his life for you and me. That's what it's about. We're gonna unpack that next week in greater detail. But that's what it's about because Jesus knew he he came to be the, the Lamb of God, to die so that no one else would have to die for our sins. He paid the price for all of our sins all at once. The price tag was that high that God's son had to do it, and he did. He gave his life for all of us. That's the purpose. Acts 20 puts our our purpose pretty clear, by the way. It says, I want to carry out the mission I received from the Lord Jesus, the mission of testifying to the good news. So apparently, the mission that we have is is to take what Christ has done for us and share it with others. You ever notice that when you accepted Christ, you didn't get zapped up to heaven? I mean, it's almost like he still has something here for us to do. You see, our job is not just to simply receive Christ, but then to share him with those around us. So if you keep it up with me, the first is the bloodshed makes you reflect on what matters most. Number two is this. Don't stop in your gloomy valley. Keep walking towards your purpose. Don't stop in your gloomy valley. Keep walking towards your purpose. And then number three, our purpose is to share Christ with everyone. Our purpose is to share Christ with everyone. So it's interesting, if, if, going back to Jerusalem. So you've got the temple, you've got the Mount of Olives, you've got the Kidron Brook, Brook Kidron, or the, the Kidron Valley. And so you, you've got, it's a brook several times a year, but also a valley. And so then, on the other side of that, you've got Gethsemane. But I noticed something in Scripture it said that was interesting. It said that, Gethsemane and the brook Kidron were directly west of the temple. I was like, why would it say that? And again, you, you just have to start to dig in and go, why does the Bible say some things? that Otherwise, you and I would kind of think, that's just kind of frivolous. Why do we need that in the story? You could cut that out, right? We could be like a good movie producer and, and just take that out. We don't need it to tell the story. But apparently, it's important enough for God to put it in. Why would he say it's directly west? So I look at the word west. What does west mean? West means sunset. It's where the sun goes down. It's where it sets at the end of the day. And so God was saying to you and me that when it comes to the temple, when it comes to our worship, at the end of the day, when the sun sets, all that matters is Gethsemane. At the end of the day, all that matters in our faith is what Jesus did, that he submitted to the Father's will and gave his life for you and me. At the end of the day, our faith comes down to this. Jesus died and rose again. That's it, at the end of the day, that's what matters. And if that's all that matters, and let me ask you something, at the end of your day, will you have done anything with Gethsemane? At the end of your day, will anyone else know Jesus because of you? Or will it stop with you? At the end of your day, in my day, will anyone else know Christ because we were a witness because we made a difference because we made an impact on someone. You see, God wants us to just simply not receive him, but to share him with others. That's our role, that's our job. We are not finished. Our purpose is to get over where we've been hurt, the bloody messes so we can get to our purpose. See, we get caught in our anger and our hurt, and then we miss our purpose, the reason that Jesus could go through the agony of the cross is because you know what he saw on the other side of that? You. He saw you. If we will get past our pain and our hurt on the other side of it, is the difference we can make in people's lives. It's not about you and me. Beethoven was uh, the rock star of his day. (laughs) We don't see him that way, I know, because we think his music was classical, but classical just means old. But to them... It was new when he wrote it. It was like, wow, this guy, this guy's unbelievable. I mean, he's the Kanye West, he's a genius. <laughs> he was brilliant. What he did was just incredible. But most people don't know this about Beethoven, but in his 20s, he began to lose his hearing. So here is a guy who writes symphonies, concertos, and beautiful music. By the time he was 40, he could not hear what he wrote. How frustrating that must have been. Why did he keep writing then? Why is it some of his greatest work happened after he couldn't even hear his work? He had to learn to know what the vibrations on his piano meant, what what tone it was hitting. He self-taught himself, he knew music so well that when he lost his hearing, he could imagine the sound off the vibration. And that's how he continued to write. But what would make you write? when you can't even enjoy your own work. Apparently, he wrote his symphony for others. His greatest joy was not hearing his own music. It was sharing his music. Could that be said of you and me, that we'd make our lives about others (laughs) rather than (coughs) about ourselves? It says that at one point, his fingers became thick is what he called it, meaning that when he would play, it was like it didn't matter, he couldn't hear his own music. One day someone heard him outside of the room where he was practicing and working and he yelled out in anger of having to fight his own deafness and frustration and he yelled out, I will take life by the throat. He was saying, I will not quit. I will not give up, this is no longer about me. I write for others. Could it be that you and I need to throw some idols in the Kidron Brook today before we get to our purpose Do we need to get over ourselves? I mean, if you don't think you have an idol, just go check out the last five pictures you posted. Was it of you? Isn't it funny how we make it all about ourselves in life? Isn't that funny how we do that, right? And so some of us need to throw our idols away and make it about God. You know, back in the day when I was a teenager, like when you went to camp, you got your life right with God, you went and you got your stash of music <laughs> and you had to go throw it away. You know, like, God, I gotta quit listening to this stuff. You know, now we just have to clear it off our Apple phone, right, and just, I'm gonna start listening to something that's gonna fill my mind with things of God, right? Or, or men know this, men know that, 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 you know, when you get right with God, you gotta go get your stash and no one's supposed to know about <laughs> and throw it away. Now you just clear your history but let me let you know something. When you clear your history, it hasn't cleared your history. The blood clears your history. So today, my challenge, my challenge for you is this. Can you let the blood cover you and accept his forgiveness fully so you can now get to his purpose, get to Gethsemane? Can you go through the Kidron Valley? You're going to stop. You're going to stay there where you're hurt and you're mad at yourself because of the things you did in the past and you don't accept God's forgiveness, or you're mad at someone else and you accept God's forgiveness, but you won't give it to someone else? Somebody's seen the cross is just for you when it was also for them. And we had to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. can't get to your purpose. Or you're still angry. You can't get to your purpose. Or you're still hurt. You can't get to your purpose. You can't get to your purpose. You're still, oh, no, no, the people hurt me. I can't. No, no and you'll be scared to do anything. You gotta go through it. Apparently, you and I are better with blood-stained robes because Jesus had blood all over him as he walked through the Kidron Valley. He was bloody before he even got bloody. He had to walk through his emotion. He had to recognize that I'm gonna be betrayed and I'm gonna be lied upon, and it's not fair, but it's the Father's will. And if he can submit to the Father's will, why can't you and I? Will you take a moment and pray with me? With your head bowed and your eyes closed during this prayer time, my challenge for you is will you write your next symphony not for you, but for others? Will you make life no longer about you, but about others? We're coming up on Easter, you know, there's this thing called Ash Wednesday. Many people celebrate that, and it's where you put ashes on your forehead. And it's to represent a sacrifice. You're making something you're giving up, right, for Lent, for Easter, Will you sacrifice yourself? Will you let your agenda get crushed so that the Father's agenda can win out in your life? With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna challenge you this Easter to make it about others and not about yourself. With your head bowed and your eyes closed during this prayer time, maybe today you've been going through some stuff and you can't even get to the purpose because you're so angry or you're so hurt. Maybe it's time to let go of that, not because they deserve it, not because it all got worked out, but because your purpose is is worth it. You gotta let go of that stuff so you can get to your purpose. Maybe today your prayer is, Pastor, I gotta let go of something. I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm hurt, I'm frustrated, I'm disappointed that my life didn't turn out exactly like I wanted. I know, we all have it, we all have our story. Don't let your story stop you from your purpose. That's your prayer today. Just lift your hand high to God today and say, God, I'm gonna let go of this stuff. I'm gonna let go. My purpose is worth it. Or maybe today your prayer is to say, God, I want to make my life about others. I've been all about myself. I even make church about myself, about what I get out of it, what I enjoy from it, rather than coming to honor you, Lord. Maybe your prayer is for this Easter to make it all about others, about making an impact in other people's lives. If that's you today, here's my prayer for you specifically. I'm gonna ask you to pray a bold prayer and say, God, can you give me a specific person that I can reach and I can bring to church with me this Easter? Just ask God for that. God, would you please lay someone on my heart? In fact, I'm gonna ask you to go 10X on it. Instead of just praying for one person you're gonna bring Easter, why don't you pray for 10 people? Invite 10 people to Easter. Do you know your staff? We were challenging our staff to invite 10 people, and God just convicted me that that wasn't enough, and so I challenged our entire staff to invite 100 people personally to Easter. So if we can invite 100 people, can you invite 10? I think you can. Let's make it about others. It's not about us. It's about others. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, Jesus made his life about others. He gave his life for you and me. He died on the cross. He rose again at the end of the day. That's what the book is all about, that Jesus died and rose again. Have you received him? At the end of the day, that's what matters. At the end of your day, when you come face to face with God, he's gonna say, what did you do with my son Jesus? Did you receive him? If you have not, you can pray this prayer. You can receive Christ right now. Pray this prayer with me across all of our campuses. You can pray this out loud. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.